Tuning in to First, a podcast where two buds talk trash about how their favorite shows begin. We're the two buds. I'm Alex. And I'm the other one. I'm Spencer. Spencer? Is that how we pronounce it now? Yeah, roll with it. Okay, it's first episode. It's canon now. So It's canon. <laughs> uh, so this is a show where we're going to be making fun of pilot episodes of TV because pilots are awful. They're, they're garbo. They're never good. Spence, can you think of any like pilot that's super great that you watch? Like, man, I can't wait to watch that pilot again. Well, not to throw shade, but if you ask Haley, she'll tell you Parks and Rec. Really? She Haley? Thinks the, she thinks the first season of Parks and Rec is where it's at. Ron wears a <laughs> suit in that season. What the fuck? I have a new view about Haley. I, yeah, thought, I, I thought you and I would be fighting, but wow, I have a bone to pick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Nope, that in the office season one gold that's when the shows figured themselves out <laughs> okay this is this is the point of the podcast but we're not talking about parks and rec and the office <laughs> today we will have feelings about this and that might just be an impromptu episode here <laughs> fuck what we had planned uh but no so we are talking about Buffy the Vampire Slayer versus mm. Reaper. Mm. How did we select these, you may ask, besides the fact that Buffy is brilliant in its own ways? Really, what we're trying to do here is show each other our favorite shows and trying to prove to the other person how wrong they are based off the pilot. Hopefully, the other person has not seen the show yet. So in this case, Spencer has not seen Buffy and I have not seen Reaper. And we will also provide a prediction in how we think the show ends based off the pilot alone. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, might be a little hard with more iconic shows, because there's probably some pop culture ideas that we know how it ends. But I think it's important to know how we decided that this was the show for us, for Spencer and I. Mm-hmm. We were doing another show, which I guess I'm remaining nameless for now, but we were doing an interview, and Spencer and I were going back and forth with questions, and... We found out that we have very strong opinions about food, of all things. And it was quite explosive. Uh, two years of knowing each other, we had never really fought, bickered. I still don't know what the right word is, man. It's definitely not a debate. It was way too lively it's, for a debate. It's, it's way too much for a debate. I feel like it's like verbal fisticuffs. Because it gets, it gets intense. It goes from zero to ten and a snap. We will provide a link to our food fight in our show notes, just so you can understand our new listeners who definitely didn't follow us over from our other show. I was going <laughs> to say, who are the new people we're talking to? This is this is bonus content for Soul Story. Whatever. This, this, is, <laughs> this is, we're going to make too many inside references. This is. That's why you edit those out. It's going to be impregnable for anyone new. <laughs> well, hopefully we get to the point where. It is good for new viewers to understand how ridiculous we are and how wrong mm -hmm. Spencer is and how right 
Alex is all the time, no matter what. Always, of course. For- forever. Uh, I'm glad that you just admitted that right now. The show's over. We're done. We don't have to do anything else now. I keep getting very excited about the other shows we're going to be talking about. But I also oh, it's be good. Uh, know that right now we're starting off strong with Buffy the Vampire Slayer versus Reaper. Although maybe I should say Reaper versus Buffy the Vampire Slayer because I'm just going to keep fucking talking. <laughs> Unless you want to jump in first, Spence. I say you go first, you set a precedent, and then I will I will tank it. Perfect. I was actually going to say I'm going to set the bar super low so that way you can save this show. It's all on you, man. Let's see how it goes. Okay. Good fucking luck. Yeah. So. Well, just, well, okay. Just yes. real quick. Because yes. I think we, we sort of breezed over it. I guess the theme of this episode is Alex found out that I've never seen Buffy, told me to watch it, and she needed a counter. So Reaper is my Buffy? Not in the sense that it's it's a hundred and forty four episode legacy that everyone is on the planet is supposed to have seen before, but it's it's like campy young adult monster hunter stuff thematically, sorta. <gasps> I wanted to put that out there because I feel like I feel like you it's it's weird just saying like Buffy this 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 golden show that that everybody loves <laughs> versus this like stoner comedy. Okay, hold up. I I didn't want you to think that there wasn't a precedent for it. So, you're right. We did breeze completely by it. The fact that every episode of First will feature us telling each other, hey, watch this fucking show. And hopefully they're thematic. I think like like 99% of them have been thematic in some sense. But, you know, I I will share my thoughts about Buffy and Joss Whedon and all his problematic glory. (laughs) I also think you should not diss on shows that are stoner humor because, I don't know, I think some of the best comedies are stoner humor comedies. Absolutely. They're so good, so pure, in their own fucked up ways. So, I'm here to tell you about Reaper. In case you have not heard of this 2007 gem, like (laughs) me, (laughs) uh, I know that about 2007 and 2008 is when I started going to high school, and that was like my peak time of really diving into pop culture things. I was really invested in movies and TV, and that's when the media binging deliciousness really started for myself. So Reaper is incredibly on brand for all my interests. It's stoner humor, it's weird paranormal concepts, it's pretty cheesy in all the fun, campy ways that I have come to love. I've never heard of the show before until Spencer was like, oh yeah, watch Reaper. The fuck is Reaper? It is... I didn't write down how many seasons it was, so I'm just going to breeze right past that. Two. Two well, whole like one seasons. And a half, but they there was there was like they brought it back for like half of a second season. That's okay, I'm gonna go through the plot first before I go into like all the the my mm, good little opinions. Mm, yes, 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 yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I also think it's important to give some credit where credit's due. Uh the very the pilot episode, named pilot. Super creative. Most of our pilots are named pilot was directed by Kevin Smith, which when I found that out, I was very excited. I'm a huge fan of Kevin Smith. Then the writers, creators, and even the producers are a pair of wonderful ladies. Michelle, ooh, God, I did this last time too. Michelle Fazakis, Fazak, yeah. Michelle Fazakis and Tara Butters, who are apparently a power duo. They have worked on a lot of different projects together. They worked on Agent Carter. They worked on about 90 episodes of Law & Order SVU. What was the other one that I thought was really cool that they worked on? Nope, that's it. Those are the only two notes I have. They're pretty limited in what they've 
done. Like, they haven't spread out too far. Oh, um, this is why it's relevant. Terry Butters also worked on Dollhouse, which is also another Joss Whedon show. So, uh, also canceled in its prime. Kind of, I'm feeling like Reaper might have been canceled before it should have been canceled. Mm. No? <laughs> I'll have an answer for that after you talk about it. Okay. Remember, all I have based off is the pilot. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> so, uh, they... This definitely felt like a, a show of love. I will give it that much. And knowing that it was a two-power team, and of course there's other writer credits and other producer credits, but they seem to become the forefront of this show. So I'm glad they were able to create something that lasted even if it was only for a season and a half. So here is my poor plot rendition. I kind of tell stories like grandparents do. So I have notes hoping to keep me on task instead of fighting over really minute facts that don't fucking matter. I'm just I'm just gonna lean into the fact that I'm an awful storyteller, which is fucking funny. <laughs> Dive right uh, in. Here we go. Okay, so we have our main character, Sam Oliver, who is played by Brett Harrison, who is a college dropout living with his parents. And as of the pilot episode, it is it is his 21st birthday. Weird though, because his parents are acting kind of funny. His mom's crying. His dad's trying to comfort her. And you know what? Sam's kind of breezing by it. It's weird, but it seems like he has other things to do today. Sam is your typical young guy. Just a couple of wild and crazy guys. Him and his best friend, Sock, played by Tyler Labine, who I love a lot. And his other friend, Ben, played by Rick Gonzalez, who all work at a hardware store that is definitely not Lowe's. Definitely not. Doesn't matter that it looks exactly like Lowe's. It is not. I promise you. Uh, also, we can't forget the wonderful, unique tomboy that also works at the hardware store who has the tomboy name of andy mm -hmm. played by missy peregrine who our main character naturally has a crush on because she's one of two women in the show the other <laughs> one is his mother so it's his birthday he's hanging out with his friends so be it and then he finds out uh odd fact his parents sold his soul to the devil before he was born he was never really intended to be born when his dad got really sick the parents made a deal with the devil devil's like yeah sure buds let's do this however i want your firstborn soul so they're like shrug okay we just won't have kids and then they get tricked by the devil because he's the fucking devil and they end up having sam who also has a younger brother but in the pilot episode he gets like five lines it doesn't matter the devil has decided that he's not gonna drag sam to hell instead he needs sam to be his errand boy he is going to be the bounty hunter or a bounty hunter for hell. And his job is to collect souls that have escaped from hell. You know, like a reaper does, I guess. I didn't know reapers caught souls that were, had escaped. I thought they kind of took ones that were around already. Who am I to judge? A job's a job. The nice thing about being a reaper, though, is apparently you get superpowers. So now Sam has all sorts of, I think telekinesis is the big one in the first episode. I think it's only telekinesis, now that I'm thinking about it. I thought there was other ones, but there's not. It is, it is a new power every week, quote-unquote. It's like when he starts to get a power that signifies that, hey, you're going to be called on. Uh, gotcha. Normally it has something to do with the person he's after. No, Telekinesis you don't say. <laughs> does not have anything to do with anything. <laughs> well, for the pilot purposes, is that it's telekinesis. He saves mm -hmm. the cute girl. Uh, his best friend starts to throw shit at him, trying to activate telekinesis powers. It doesn't work until his best friend is in danger. But not only does he have superpowers, he is also gifted per escaped soul a thing called a vessel, which I have come to find out changes every episode. And the pilot, the vessel is a dirt devil. Thanks, I hate it. It's too close to a pun. Don't want it. And this vessel acts kind of like the thing in Ghostbusters that soaks up, soaks up, you know, inhales, ingests the spirit thingy. 
I'm sure there's a scientific term for it. I'm just like, Ghostbuster science. Shrug. The rest of the show goes along the lines of friends. He tells Sock and Ben about his fancy new job. They try to help him. Shock. It fails the first time. Ben's injured. Sam freaks out. It's like, no, I'm not going to be a reaper. And the devil's like, well, if you don't, I'm going to take your mom's soul instead. Shit. Okay, I guess I'll reap then. Tries again. Has to apologize to Sock because he was an asshole to Sock, I guess, even though Sock's the bigger asshole, in my opinion. There's a montage. They go to fight the beautiful, sexy, shirtless fireman who's actually the escaped soul of a serial arsonist. I don't know. He's shirtless throughout the entire thing. There's a scene where he's washing his fire truck. Only him washing the fire truck. <laughs> dead of night. No commentary about it whatsoever. <laughs> Just, that's the guy. Hard to miss. Uh, <laughs> They, of course, save the day at that point. Uh, Sam wrangles his telekinesis power to save Sock after this flamey thing is happening with the arsonist. And that's kind of it. He, he beats the bad guy. Show ends with the devil being like, hey, bud, you're doing a great job. But then, of course, the cute girl, Andy, is like, what? You're not telling me something. And he's like, it's fine. Everything's fine. Don't worry about it. So for some reason, he doesn't tell the cute girl what's going on. And then also his mom's like, well, instead of you owing your soul, I'm going to turn myself in. Because that's what fucking moms would do post-regret. And he's like, mom, it's fine. I only had to do one job. You don't have to worry about anything. This is good. Don't worry about it. And mom's like, okay. Because fuck, I don't know. I'm not sure why you would believe that bullshit. But... (laughs) That, that's really it. That's the pilot episode. Do you think that's I missed anything? <laughs> nope. Okay. Um, is there anything you want to fill in about the show or do you, like any, any thoughts on the pilot for yourself? Uh, no thoughts on the pilot. I, I can fill in the blanks where you need me to, but you that is that is what happens in the pilot. <laughs> okay. So uh, overall, I think that the pilot was actually pretty good. So the show runs 43 minutes and a lot of pilot plot is here is your story in the first five minutes, Mm -hmm. if not sooner, because you have to follow the theory of if you don't have your audience in 30 seconds, you're lost. When you have a 43-minute pilot versus a 30-minute pilot, though, I think it it stretches out a little bit and you get more of a story in the extra 20 minutes. That's in the hour-long pilots. Uh, But I thought there was enough mystery and balance of explanation and how you're expected to see the show play out. It was basic, but it wasn't forced down your throat at all. There was enough pacing in it. We're like, here's a story point. Here's some character development. Here's a story point. Here's some character development. I think overall, I I, I like the concept a lot, but I think it would have been better as a novel series. Something like Dresden or uh, the Iron Druid series. Something like small 200 pages kind of book series that goes on for 20 bucks. <laughs> I, I think it's a very creative show. I just don't think it has enough substance to necessarily carry on for a long time, which is probably why the season ends so soon. It also reminded me of another book I like a lot, written by Christopher Moore, called A Dirty Job. And Spence, have you read A Dirty Job before? I have not. Cool. I highly recommend reading Christopher Moore. He's a very funny fiction writer, has a great voice. I've used him in a few English papers as an example of this is how you should write. But A Dirty Job starts out with a family, a brand new family. Mom just gave birth to beautiful baby girl and the couple's being a cute couple. And she's like, I need something. I can't remember if it's a blanket or, you know, God, this woman just gave birth and she's so needy. Husband loving It's like, yes, sure, wife, I will leave you to go get this thing. Gets the thing, comes back, and sees a total rando in the hospital room with her. And he is holding her very favorite Alanis Morissette CD, 
which I guess is the birthing music for it. I don't know. It's just important to her. And the main character is like, who the fuck are you? And the guy is like, you can fucking see me? Freaks out. Bolts past him. Still has a CD. Husband turns back to wife. Wife is now dead. She has flatlined. Weird. What he saw was a reaper. And once you see a reaper, you become a reaper. How reapers work, though, it isn't so much interacting with people necessarily. It's about claiming the objects that their souls become attached to. Uh, and so now, now Sad Dad has a baby girl they used to take care of on his own. He's also running an antique shop by himself now. And it's about him kind of learning the ropes of being a reaper, but also being a single dad. I liked it a whole bunch. Also, probably about the same time that this came out, weirdly enough, uh, I'd have to look up the exact date, but I remember reading it in high school and thinking, wow, this guy's a really great writer. I'm like literally giggling in class reading this guy's book. And even like when I read my silly comics, I don't usually laugh out loud, but this guy in every book that I've read, primo, highly recommend. So I, I watching this show and having that book in the back of my brain, when I say it's on brand, it's just it's a, it's a theme that I like of people accidentally having these really important jobs and not knowing what the fuck to do with them. Oof. I also have a soft spot for average Joes who are given lots of power and seeing them panic. I just it gets me. I, I think it's a really good trope in general. Uh, I'm trying to think of other tropes in the show that I liked a lot I, I or disliked, I guess. The whole one Tom girl is overdone, but it's also 2007. So it's the 2000s were an interesting time for TV. The... <laughs> are very distinctive, just like the 90s and every other decade. I feel like there's a huge focus on youth culture in 2000s TV. I love the fact like, that the music choice, the soundtrack for the pilot is very 2000s. Just think of whatever you listen to in 2005 and it's in there. Uh, I think the hairstyles, the outfits, it's all just primo, primo 2000s. It's a nice little time capsule of what life was like in 2007. Um, I think that's like really my big notes about it. There are some cool effects like with the, the arsonist guy when he like transformed from hot, sexy firefighter to badass arsonist where his like skin kind of crackled and like became a burn victim and like he just started shooting out fire. It was a really cool effect. Again, considering the time of 2007 when CGI wasn't super hot yet, you know? Well, 2007 and like shitty budget TV show effects. Yeah. Yeah. I would say that most of their money probably went to that instead of their writers, but... Probably. <laughs> I, I think overall, too, the dialogue wasn't too janky. It wasn't too wincy to listen to, which happens a lot in pilots. But I think I had some lines. Oh, look at that tool. Capture him already. Um, and it's just like the, the guy that plays the devil is super suave, but talking kind of slingy kills me. Uh, and then... Oh! Last really important thing I had. Because it's 2007. Fucking no homo culture. Mm-hmm. Two big problematic jokes, in my opinion, as, you know, humor doesn't always age well, uh, would be Sock, who is the reoccurring jerk of the group, has a moment where he's talking to his ex-girlfriend and trying to talk down and insult her and in the middle of a bar basically says, you know, don't you know, everyone knows you used to be a dude. And she says something back along the lines of, oh, yeah, you used to be a dude, too. I'm like, Nice! Only vaguely transphobic <laughs> towards the end. Nice. Man. <laughs> Ooh. The 2000s. Yeah, wasn't it great that we were super inclusive? And then when oh. freaking Sam saves Sock at the end, Sock turns to Sam and is like, I've never been more attracted to a man in my life. But I didn't mean it like that. It's like, you can, you can mean it, man. It's fine. Don't be weird about it. But I also think that was just very 2000s humor. And what's nice is that we are moving past that kind of stuff. And I still chuckled in a way of like, oh, man, oh, 2000s, you were inappropriate. <laughs> but it was also normalized back then, too. So is it really inappropriate? Well, that, that's know. the thing. It's that whole time capsule thing. Like, mm -hmm. 
Um, you know, obviously ignorance is never an excuse, but back then, you know, people didn't know they were hurting anybody because it wasn't on anybody's minds. Like, your mind can only process so many things at any given moment. So, like, the, the writers were not thinking that far ahead. So it feels less offensive to me in that regard because they're not thinking of it as something that could ever offend. They're thinking of it, ah, oh, funny joke. This is going to bring someone joy. They're not thinking about the other end of that spectrum. True. I would argue that maybe they didn't know isn't the right phrase. I think people know on some level that you're poking fun at somebody and that could hurt. I think is that we lacked an awareness to care at that time. I think poking fun back then at like very broad things, because when you go back and listen to like a lot of 2000s humor, it was all in that vein. Mm -hmm. Like <clears throat> you go back and it's like, holy shit how did this person still have a career in 2015 or like <laughs> wow this like really prolific person used to say some crazy fucking shit and i think it's i think poking fun at people and groups of people used to just sort of be the norm so you're poking fun at groups and ideas but it's in the spirit of comedy but i i think there there is a newfound awareness for that in the culture now. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that, you know, that's to the culture's benefit, I suppose. Um, but I think you have to go back and enjoy it with a grain of salt. Know that, you know, they, they were not on the ball with it, but you have the filter to say, hey, that's not cool. So you can enjoy the joke and then not agree with it or repeat it to anyone. <laughs> I think something I read once, possibly on Tumblr, I won't fucking admit to that super loud. Possibly. <laughs> but no, it's the discussion of recognizing something being problematic, but still enjoying it. Like saying, yeah, this show has some problematic qualities. However, it does bring me joy. And finding the balance between how to support something problematic, but also being okay with the joy it brings. And I think it's just yeah. a really hard balance that we're, as a society, trying to figure out. Uh, we, yeah. What I also find interesting in my deep dive on IMDb, learning about uh, Fazakis and Butters, is that there was another show for this universe. And it's called Kevin Probably Saves the World. And it only ran for about a season. It features a guy named Kevin who is, it's almost like the polar opposite of this. It's that God tells Kevin, hey, I need you to save the world. I need you to do me some solids here. And Kevin has to go around doing the God's will. Uh, and the only reason I even think of bringing it up is because Sock and Sam actually make an appearance at some point in like a little crossover episode. So you know that they exist in the same world. And I'm glad that they got another take another perspective on it. I would mm. be willing to say I would watch the pilot of Kevin Probably Saves the World as a future note to fans and myself. And Spence, I'm not sure if you've seen it. I have not. I've heard of it. I had no idea they were connected at all. Yeah. Uh, written by them as well, of course. Uh, they're part of the writing mm. creator producing team. So there is is that to look forward to. And I think <clears> I'm going <throat> to, before we dive into what other like villains um, I want to keep my predictions as pure as possible here. Mm -hmm. I have three predictions as to how the show ends. Go for it. Uh, and I feel like number one prediction for all shows that end early, like a season or two in, uh, is disappointing with a cliffhanger that never gets addressed. That should always mm -hmm. be a prediction on the table. Uh, but seriously, thinking about the story, um, I, I have a mix of how the season ends and how the show ends, I think. Because my very first prediction is Andy finds out and she's pissed or mom finds out. And she's pissed. And there has to be a resolution of that uh, that either never gets fulfilled or that's how the season ends. And that's what the next start of sex. second season is Sam having to redeem himself in front of this female character. 
Uh, prediction number two, that Sam has to rescue mom and or Andy from the devil. And prediction number three, he makes a deal with God during the during an apocalypse crisis, saves the day, and is freed from the deal. That is like mm-hmm. the big end game. What could fucking possibly happen to get him out of this? Okay, so I don't want to go into detailed spoilers, but am I allowed to like address your predictions? I think so, yeah. Okay, so going down the line... So season one ended and it ended on a weird note, not necessarily a cliffhanger, but a (laughs) this is not done yet. Yeah. So the fans had this big write-in campaign and they got it back for a second season. Six seasons in a movie. So the show thought, man, our fans love us. They'll always keep us alive. And the second season got really deep into plot stuff Mm -hmm. and then ended on a, a actual cliffhanger, like an actual there might be a war and Sam is still locked in his deal. The last episode is called The Devil and Sam Oliver, and it's Sam fighting the devil to get out of his deal, and he almost wins and fails. So I'm not far off. <laughs> At the end, there's a glimmer of hope because a dead character comes to Sam and says, like, don't worry, like, you're not the only one out there. And it turns out that that character became an angel and the angels are looking over Sam and like want him to win. And it's like, whoa, what's going on? Sam might have backup. Is God on Sam's side? Holy shit, what's going to happen? Andy does find out. Andy is not pissed. She's like, oh, you should have just told me. And because she finds out in a way that like puts her in danger and she's pissed about that. Yeah. She joins the team. Nice. I think by the end of season one and season two, like, they, they have, like, their squad of, like, new characters and blah, blah, blah. And, like, Sam's not a badass, but he's confident and capable now. They have this shit, like, on lockdown. And, mm-hmm. like, they give up on some stuff. Sam doesn't just get powers anymore. He just gets the, the new vessels. And, like, but the show goes from being, like, monster of the week to sort of focusing more on that's happening in the background. Mm-hmm. Because, like, you don't need to see it every week because Sam will take care of it. Sam has his shit together now. Gotcha. It's more about like the demons. Well, demons are fallen angels. So it's like they're good people. They're just stuck in the same boat that Sam is where they've lost their souls to the devil. Mm-hmm. And it's like him dealing with them and maybe they're going to try to rise up. And it's it's this progression of the devil is this suave, cool character. But then he has moments where he has to remind you, no, no, I'm not the one you're rooting for. <laughs> and he just like kills half the cast or some shit. Oh, um, sweet. So it goes places, it goes places that I, I did not think that it would. Um, so it surprised me in that regard. Mm-hmm. But then it ends on a horrible cliffhanger because they were just like, oh yeah, our fans will save us again. Nah. <laughs> they, uh, yeah. I, I think that if you haven't seen Reaper, but you've seen Supernatural, Chuck, Psych. It has serious Chuck vibes. I, I wrote before I even looked at any other shows they've been on, like Chuck recommendation, uh, in yeah. case you hadn't seen it. So uh, it, it has that flow and that rhythm and even just like the color scheme of just that very mm-hmm. bright color scheme, <clears throat> despite it kind of being a dark story. Uh, I, if you like those shows, I think you'll really like Reaper. I would continue to watch it. I, I didn't. I was actually ready to binge it. And I was like, I have to wait until we do this episode. Yep. So that way I can continue. But uh, I... I Look forward to watching more of it. But at the same time, when I say I was looking forward to binging it, it was because it was it was there and it was on. It's not the top of my binge list. It's one of those that it's probably going to be a, eh, I could go back and watch that. But I know when I do, I will really enjoy it, if that makes sense. 
Absolutely. Other thing, I guess, you know how much I love Edgar Wright, and I felt like the whole montage scene was a very Edgar Wright editing style. Yes. And even though Edgar Wright doesn't edit his own movies, mm-hmm. um, Paul Meckless is the editor for Edgar Wright. I really like his style. So Edgar Wright, great director. Paul Meckless, super great editor. Anyways, that's that. That's my, my, my notes on it, really, I guess. Is there anything else that you want to talk about that you really liked about? What I will say is the devil in Reaper is one of my favorite characters because he's not like raw i'm the devil they did a lot of research and the idea is that the devil is someone who he was jealous of humans because they they basically like gained god's love over the other angels and blah 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 and so the devil is like sort of tried to corrupt them but now has this sort of love for them and that's where the whole idea of like him influencing with sin and all this other shit they do a really good job of portraying him as someone who is evil but also has heart and does care about things and like has emotion and like there is a scene where he takes sam out to to eat ice cream and he can't eat ice cream because he's the devil and he's not like a person and he's like hot on the inside because you know whatever he's the (laughs) devil um but he just really enjoys watching sam enjoy ice cream because like the devil gave people taste and sensation gotcha like it's it's like this thing it's just this really somehow charming cute kind of scene where he's just smiling because he just really enjoys it because of all the things that he lost like he gets like these simple pleasures out of seeing people enjoy things and it leads to some shitty things like people enjoying (laughs) things leads to them doing shitty things but like they they have like a lot of charming moments like that where you're like oh man the devil's so cute i like this guy (laughs) It's, it is probably the one instance where that happens, where it's like, oh yeah, the devil. I guess this is a random question. So the, you said this is your favorite rendition of the devil in TV movie media? I think so. For a mass reproduced character, I agree <laughs> that for for Reaper, he did feel unique. They did the suaveness well. I also like that he wasn't super young, that he has this mm-hmm. kind of grandpa appearance to him, this this wiseness, not a young firecracker, rebellious <laughs> individual. Uh, he seems to have his shit locked down, but is kind of young at heart. And I thought it was a very good portrayal. I would think we need to wrap this up with something that's very obvious. Uh, we didn't fight at all. In fact, uh, the fact that my prediction was really on point makes me giggle a lot. So I feel like I succeeded in predicting the show. I think we did a good job of finding a show that both of us like instead of completely destroying. I think at some point we'll need like some kind of rating system for this well, rather than just worry. yes or no. Don't worry, because I'm about to talk shit about Buffy for the next 30 minutes. I can't fucking wait. I'm excited for this because, well, I really enjoy Buffy and I think it's very iconic. Um, I also love shitting on Whedon. So... Here we go. <laughs> it's it's a win-win. <laughs> so, hey, Spencer, I want to know everything that you thought about Buffy. I also, I guess, I didn't, I forgot that the pilot episode's actually two episodes. Did you watch both of them? I watched, okay, so I watched up until the to be continued. Okay, so you didn't watch the, the, the follow-up. Cool. Great, awesome. So, okay, everyone, I watched the first half of the pilot of Buffy. <laughs> I was looking at my notes and I was like, oh no, I didn't tell him to watch the second half because they both premiered on March 10th, 1997. Man, well, you know what? This is better. <laughs> this is better because not having any closure to that whole thing is is great. <laughs> um, 
it'll be a future episode you watch the last half of the buffy pilot that'll, that'll be the last episode of first is the <laughs> okay. second the second pilot for buffy it's and fucking... also there is an unaired pilot for yeah. buffy the vampire slayer which i did not watch because it's not on hulu or anything so like i i, I feel like i also want to watch that now <laughs> i haven't seen it either Maybe it's something we watch together. Maybe. Maybe. All right. Well, if you are like the two other Americans that have never seen Buffy the Vampire Slayer, let me fucking rap (laughs) about this for a second. So uh, Buffy is a show that follows a vampire slayer. It aired in 1996, the year of my birth, and only ran until 2003, which means that I have have outlived Buffy by a factor of over three. <laughs> so what that says about me and what that says about Buffy, I'll let you decide. It ran for 144 episodes, not including that super secret fucking hidden level that is the only <laughs> pilot. The show, let me tell you about the show. It Tell stars. us about the show. I'm going to. That's what I'm amping up towards. Oh, okay. Wasn't sure. It stars uh, Sarah Michelle Geller, who y'all might recognize as Daphne from Scooby-Doo 2, Monsters Unleashed. Not the first one, just the second one. <laughs> that movie, which aired in 2004, <laughs> directly followed Buffy. And if you look on IMDb, Scooby-Doo 2 Monsters Unleashed actually got a perfect five stars on IMDb, <laughs> whereas Buffy only got 8.4. So, hmm. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. Okay. All right. <laughs> the first episode. Welcome to Hellmyth. Uh, hmm. <laughs> Hellsmouth. So, are you sure? Pretty sure. Pretty sure it's Hellsmith. Okay. Pretty sure. I think that's, I think that's how you would say it. All right. <laughs> okay. The episode, and I think every episode, if I'm not mistaken, starts with a bad 90s voiceover explaining what the show is about to be about instead of just jumping into it. I guess back then people didn't know what Buffy the Vampire Slayer was, but I feel like I was going into it and they're like explaining the show and I'm like, I get it. People have been talking about this for 20 fucking years. Let me just hop in. The entire show is 90s music and skateboards and bad teen writing. It is so mid-90s that it just, oh my god, it's it's fucking screaming at you. So yeah, the show opens uh, what I thought was a werewolf and ended up being a vampire with just a grosser face. Eats some Chad boy. I just want to say, so the makeup effects. Uh Uh-huh. Are they going for bats? With the vampires? Are the vampires supposed to, like, look like bats? I think so. they get, like, shriveled up rodent faces. <laughs> and, like, I thought it was a werewolf. And I was like, oh, well, then this doesn't pertain to Buffy the Vampire Slayer at all. Why am I seeing this? That's not a vampire. But apparently I was wrong on that, on that front. Yeah, so Buffy and her awesome, kind, charming mother, who I'm positive fucking dies for the feels at some point, because <laughs> she's just too idyllic and perfect. That that woman, that woman is gonna die for the plot. My my, I'll start early. My prediction is that like season four, they're starting to run out of like emotional material, and it's just like, well, guess what? Your mom fucking got bit by a Medusa or something. <laughs> 
So yeah, uh, Buffy and her mother, and it's her single mother, right? There was no dad in the picture. Yes, no dad in the picture. No dad. Great. Awesome. And, and, and the pilot, they're divorced. Okay, cool. So Buffy is, they're in a new town. She's starting school all fresh. She's, oh no, she's a bit of a troublemaker. And she basically announces to the principal that, no, she's not a troublemaker. She's a monster slayer. Oh no, shouldn't have said that. But everyone's too bumbling to... To understand her frequent slips about how she fucking fights vampires and shit. I don't know. <clears throat> Let me look at my notes here. Yeah. So, uh, while this is happening, there's some kind of B-plot where these, like, two tall, like, dark-haired skinny boys are, like, harassing women. And then they end up harassing Buffy. And I guess this is, like, the friend group that she's gonna, like, have for the rest of the show. Mm -hmm. Yep. Okay. So that that's all happening. They, there's like an awkward flirting scene. She goes to the library and meets some sort of gargoyle. <laughs> you, oh my god. <laughs> huh. Okay, I'll hold it. Keep going. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so she meets some kind of book-learned gargoyle who tries giving her some kind of necronomicon that she refuses because Buffy is done with vampire slaying. That's, that's all behind her. She doesn't care that there's some kind of prophecy at the beginning of the show about how she's the only one, whatever. She goes to math class or chemistry class or what, there were numbers on the board, that's all I know. <laughs> and she meets this fucking ghoulish Barbie doll, Cordelia. And Cordelia, I guess, is supposed to be attractive and is the most attractive and treats all of the other fucking women like swine. So I guess Buffy's in with this crowd now and she answers some fucking totally spies questions and is now a cool kid. I, I don't know. <laughs> this was not my time period. <laughs> uh, but then Cordelia, this, this fucking monster mash, has the audacity to start talking shit to Allison Hannigan, <laughs> who is apparently in this show. Now, let me just say the best part about watching this pilot was the revelation that Allison Hannigan was, is, and forever will be the hottest shit ever. So the fact that this fucking evil creature from the depths is talking shit to her, because I guess she's a nerd and wears nice clothes, completely shattered my immersion. <laughs> Just gone, out the window. What if something happens to Cordelia, Buffy decides that she's going to be friends with Nerd Hannigan and those two guys that are trying to get laid, well, they're all right. They're harmless. So she's friends with them. She goes to a rave to do something. But in the background, let me tell you about the, the supernatural plot that's going on. All right. So there's vampires in this town. Otherwise, the vampire slayer wouldn't have much to do. <laughs> um, so in this in this secret underground phantom of the opera layer, uh, Vincent D'Onofrio from Men in Black is trying to summon Voldemort, as played by John Malkovich, I think. And it's not going well. So they, they need their, their teen vampires, one of them being from the episode like prologue who, who bit that boy in the school he, so he needs to send those kids out they're gonna go to the rave and they're gonna they're gonna pick up some some young blood and they're gonna take the blood and they're gonna sacrifice it and they're gonna bring back the elder one and Buffy happens to be at this rave and so does the the book man 
and they they have this big emotional scene up on the rafters and it, oh man it's great it's great so she's she's not gonna do it she doesn't want to be a vampire slayer but then Allison Hannigan and one of the boys they get seduced by these hot young vampires and brought to a cemetery and Buffy uses all of her skills to track them down and then beats them up and then saves her friends but then the giant cockroach man from Men in Black comes in and <laughs> is that kicks her is? absolute ass like man, <laughs> Buffy gets thrown around and it's it's oof oof but she lands some good punches she's not she's she's pretty capable but then the episode ends with like her in a coffin and the guys like looming over her and i don't uh, i don't know what happened to cordelia i think allison hannigan is safe i don't know where the book nerd went i guess that's because i only watched half of the fucking <laughs> fucking thing Sh should I get into thoughts or predictions? What do you think? I, so I feel like I just need to say the names because <laughs> it's killing me. So <laughs> Allison Hannigan is Willow and mm -hmm. uh, only one of those guys sticks around and his name's Xander. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I know for a fact it's Hellsmouth. I know it, it's definitely Hellsmouth. I think it's Hellsmith. You're doing it to I'm get my goat, I'm man. I'm looking at how it's spelled. I think it would be Hellsmith. I'm screaming really loud inside my head right now. It's definitely Hellsmouth. And the sky you is blue. believe whatever you want to believe. <laughs> I won't stop you from doing that. Uh, but, uh, oh, and, and then you said like the friend group and all the real fans know, Spencer. They're called the Scooby Gang or the Scoobies. They? They, they gave oh report to the Scoobies. What a coincidence because... Most of this cast has pretty heavy carryover in <laughs> Scooby-Doo 2, Monsters Unleashed. <laughs> the sequel to the Buffy series. <laughs> it, it really feels like it. It must be. Okay, go ahead. Uh, I would say give your thoughts, your predictions, interlace them, whatever. Just just go. Go with the flow, man. Man, okay. So predictions. I'll get into predictions. Okay. So I already gave one. I think, like, so I think I know that the mom dies. I think I've heard that before. So my thing is, I think it happens midway through the show to pick up steam. That's my guess. I've only known her for a couple scenes. And the fact that she's so pleasant and supportive makes me think that they're just going to rip her away. And that's going to be like a big thing. I think that's going to happen post high school because I imagine this goes beyond. It goes for seven fucking years. So I imagine <laughs> unless she's a remedial student, she ends up in the real world at some point. I imagine at that point that happens. God, it's hard doing predictions because Buffy is such a well-known fucking thing. So Xander, mm -hmm. I imagine Xander and Willow, because uh, they're part of the gang, I imagine they get involved, but not just that, I imagine, I feel like Willow is going to stay the same. Willow is going to be like the, the bookish kind of like moral support character, like the best friend. I feel like Xander is going to have to become a werewolf or some shit. I feel like he's too much of a fucking normie to be useful to anyone. So I feel like he's either going to get a magical skateboard or he's going to get infected with the Santa Claus curse or something to give him some sort of magical prowess that makes him relevant to the show and puts him in the same roster as the monsters they're fighting. Um, what else? What else? I don't know. I feel like I feel like there's basic showrunner things that I that I could do. Like, oh, I bet this thing will happen to Buffy or this this awkward school thing will happen. But I feel like those aren't big predictions. I feel like that's like predictions on how people just do TV shows. Like my Andy gets finds out and gets mad. Mom finds out gets mad. Some basic fucking show shit. Yeah. 
So I, I would say my big my big predictions are that mom dies after high school to motivate emotional plot and something happens to Xander to make him relevant. And that Willow stays the same. And that Willow, I think Willow will probably go through some changes. I imagine she'll dye her hair or something, but <laughs> then revert and then just like, I, I think she's there to be like smart best friend character to keep Buffy grounded. Boy, okay, this is fun. So uh, I'm not going to do the nice thing of avoiding spoilers. Uh, guys, if you haven't seen Buffy, stop here. Skip ahead at some point. I don't know. We'll put a timestamp in the show notes when we're done talking Buffy spoilers. Because it is so iconic and there are people who haven't seen it. And clearly you, there's some things you know, but there's some things you just, you, you really don't. And I'm very excited to talk about it. So let's tackle the first thing. Mom dies. You are right. She dies fifth season and is one of the best episodes of TV. I would put my top five best episodes. It mm. is brilliantly done. Uh, the The entire concept of it being that Buffy finds her mom dead unexpectedly uh, uh, in, in her living room, and like the the rest of the episode's almost in complete silence. I don't think they talk to like maybe the last 10, 15 minutes of the episode. Otherwise, it's all just sounds like around her. Uh, it's it's very very well done. Uh, and you're right, it is a, a huge emotional boost uh, as the show kind of slows down. Um, it also does happen at a point where Buffy's hitting the real world, and Buffy character development is fascinating in the sense that she goes from this she goes from being a young teenager right and she grows into being a woman a weird but she's so naive and so like stuck in her own head in the beginning and then even her character development though is kind of infuriating to watch because she still is just so fixated on herself but then you also have to realize she has this huge fucking world on her shoulders if i don't save the world who will and it kind of falls into and i'll keep saying it fucking supernatural where it's like oh she saves the world again oh she saves the world again at one point buffy dies and her friends miss her so much they find a way to bring her back to life and she fucking hates them for it. Hates them for it. Because she was in heaven. And it was like, yeah, this is great. And now she's back in this world where she has to be the hero again. It's Buffy character development, really good. The Xander Willow thing. There are a lot of romantic intricacies that they fit in seven seasons that I won't get into. There is a brief moment that they get together that involves Xander cheating on his partner. Uh, and, and Willow feels awful about it. They remain friends, however. Uh, Xander and Willow. They, 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 the Scooby gang, of course stays together because you fucking can't have them leave the show. But Willow does go through change. And I laugh to myself pretty good about the fact that you said she dyes her hair. Uh, Willow finds out that uh, about magic, becomes a witch, starts studying magic, starts like it really has a gift for being a witch. And she realizes that her powers can really be used for a lot of cool stuff. And she's actually pretty powerful. And at some point she spins and becomes Dark Willow. And it's probably one of the most iconic storylines, story arcs of Buffy is Dark Willow. Also, Willow ends up being hella gay, which is really cool, except for the fact that this starts the trend of um, shooting lesbians or kill off your gays, that whole trope, that uh, she has a very loving relationship with Tara, and then fucking no reason besides emotional trauma, they kill off Tara, which is what ends up starting off Dark Willow, right? And at the time, this was a big deal because there wasn't a whole lot of queer representation in TV. We do not have enough time to talk about Tara and Willow and the importance of that in our media. Just know it is very important. I would love to do a whole episode just about Tara and Willow. But she kind of does remain that, that bookish smart person. But like Buffy, they all kind of take this dark turn where it's like, yay, high school, everything's fun and great. And oh shit, the world actually really kind of sucks. It's also funny that you say Xander becomes a werewolf. Xander never does. Actually, he remains normie throughout the entire thing. That's terrible. No, it actually ends up being really cool. Towards like, if it's not the last season, it's really close to the last season. There's this moment where he's talking to another character of, yeah, I'm normal. I don't have any powers, but I see things that they don't see. 
I see the the, the fucking common sense shit that they're missing because they're so involved and magic and supernatural. And he really is that person who kind of keeps them grounded and like recognizing not everything is so fantastical. Some things are just really simple. Again, I, th- I think Xander's biggest story arc, like character development is he ends up dating a demon. Sounds super silly. And it is super silly. But you really see him mature as he falls for this person. He falls in love and realizes he can't just be a kid anymore, that he really wants to take care of this person. But also what caring for another person actually means when he's a pretty selfish individual and only cares about his own gimme gimme needs. It's a little out of control. But before Willow becomes hella gay, she dates Seth Green, who is actually a werewolf. So you're not far off in your predictions. Man, well, I'm glad all those beats in some way or another get touched upon. (laughs) You had a real good sense of what to expect or at least addressed in the show. Yeah, I I think it's just a matter of like switching words around, Mm -hmm. like like shuffling them into new blank spaces. Exactly. Man, well, that's all I had. So honest thoughts. I think I really enjoyed watching it. I think there was a lot of 90s cringe and I enjoyed all of it because I, I had to respect, like, I, I'm looking at this through the scope of someone 20 years in the fucking future <laughs> looking at this thing. Like, there, there's a lot of, like, stuff in early X-Files where they're, like, pulling out typewriters and, like, <laughs> like, like, oh, video games, what are those? And it's like, ha ha, the 90s. Stone Age. <laughs> and it's like. You, you have to, like, recognize that you're watching a thing from back then. They didn't have an understanding of blank or this was the culture back then. And there's there's cringe, but it, it's also enjoyable to shift through it. Um, mm-hmm. Genuinely sort of liked all the characters, even when they were, like, like nothing loser teenagers saying stupid, poorly written dialogue. It's like, you know what? I like this guy or I like this girl. Like, I wish that I had watched the second part or known to watch the second part because I have been really wanting to watch it. Um, yeah, it's it's those things where, like, I don't think I'm fully sold on everything yet, but it's interesting enough where I want to keep going with it. And it's such a big well and there's so much around it where, like, I know it has to get good at some point because, like... <sighs> Man, can we rant about Joss Whedon already? Because I really want to get to that part. I, I have one bone to pick with you first. All right, it's let's do it. When I was scolding you about the names, I forgot a very mm-hmm. important one. Because Giles is a fucking pure cinnamon roll. And how dare you not remember his name? He is one of the best fucking characters. I watched Repo the Genetic Opera just because he was in it. I like him a lot. I think he's a really cool character. And also, okay. We touched on it. We didn't talk about it. We do Soul Story. And I think that fucking Giles reminds me a lot of Felix. Or Felix reminds me a lot of Giles. One way or the other. I got Felix vibes. Sweet. I'm glad I'm not the alone. Accent, I was like, has Moose seen this show? Of course he has. Yes. <laughs> it's Buffy. Everyone's seen it. <laughs> Bye. So yeah, let's let's talk shit about Whedon. <laughs> yeah, okay. So for, man, for those who don't know, Josh Whedon created Buffy. He's he's also known for making soulless Marvel movies and ripping off Cowboy Bebop. <laughs> let's let's fucking rap about this guy for a while. <laughs> I so I really enjoy Firefly. I hate Dollhouse. I hate Cabin in the Woods. I like Buffy a good a good deal. Uh, but I think really his only work that I really appreciate is Firefly to like that extreme fandom degree. Whedon's biggest issue is that he's fucking awful towards women, just in general. Can't write a woman character very well, usually. Uh, I, and I think Buffy's this really interesting exception. I think she represents 
usually when you see badass females, they're wearing leather jacket and they're mean and they have dark hair and they, you know, they're tough tomboys. And Buffy's very femme. And I think that's really interesting. And as well as his purpose in the sense that only blondes could ever be the damsel in distress. Like that was the whole purpose of Buffy was to turn that trope on its head. But also he doesn't include a lot of minorities in his work. If he does, he treats them very poorly or very stereotypically. Uh, he treats sex workers super shitty and in his writing. Uh, it just, I don't know, he's just not a great writer <laughs> as a whole. He's he's bad at it i remember back when the only thing i could like because i had seen firefly and it's like oh yeah firefly i love it because it's it's jackasses in space it's it's nerd shit i really liked it but i didn't like i was young i didn't know why i just <laughs> liked it the first time i really heard his name in use was for the avengers and i was a dumb kid and the, the superhero craze hadn't been going on for that long so it's like oh my god avengers is a cinematic masterpiece <laughs> this this we oh my god he created firefly and then slowly over time all of his works seem to flow together he uses the same ideas over and over again and it's not like he draws his inspiration from the same place it's like he'll not nail but get an idea pretty all right and then consistently use that theme through everything there was a good write-up i was reading and it's like things that carried over from buffy to firefly to like avengers and they're not like cool like staples like how you have directors and creators where it's like certain cinematography shot certain camera shots and edgar right like, the yeah. the pacing stuff like that like it's not like that it's like just reusing tropes over and over mm -hmm. and i get like egregiously mad about it in retrospect because i really liked firefly and it's not to go on a dumb fucking weeaboo tangent but i was introduced to cowboy bebop and it all felt familiar to me and i really really like and appreciate that fucking show even the ship looks the same <laughs> the, sh the ship in Cowboy Bebop and Firefly are the exact fucking same thing. The interiors, the different rooms aboard, like the character tropes, the whole idea of the show of like jackasses in space, like they're not tied to any one faction. They're just going around doing their thing, trying to survive. And like, it's so fucking on the nose where it's like, I don't think Joss Whedon has ever sat down and watched Cowboy Bebop, but I think he let someone or something happened where people kept bringing him ideas. Like someone was just watching Cowboy Cowboy Bebop and kept bringing him ideas and he didn't bother to like know where it came from. <laughs> so it's like, it's just written all over Firefly. And now I go back and watch Firefly and the whole thing feels like a fucking sham. Oh no. Like, it feels like this whole soulless project. Like I don't enjoy it half as much as I used to and I fucking hate Whedon for it. <laughs> he just needed to change a couple things and I wouldn't think he was so much of a hack. But he is a hack, so. He is a hack. He's fucking terrible and... I don't know. I'm. I think I want to say the people have either changed their minds about him, or they they haven't thought about him since the first Avengers movie, and they've just held the same opinion without thinking about it. Fair. But I, I think people are burned out on him finally, and it's like fucking great. <laughs> I, I think Firefly took him really far, uh, and it wasn't necessarily that Firefly again. We really appreciate Firefly, but I think the important thing about Firefly, it was canceled and it way before it should have been canceled. Even though it could be a, a carbon copy of Cowboy Bebop, that's a show that should have had another season or two and gets cut off super weird and has the movie, but even that feels rushed. Like it just is something that people wanted just a little bit more and has become so iconic in, in those top shows that got canceled before it should have been canceled. Unlike what I will argue is like Community, fucking that last season's awful. Wait, which last season of Community? 
Like the, the last season where they come back and are teaching or some shit. Season five? Sure. Because then they have season six. Mm, we'll fight about that another day. Okay. I can't wait. Teaser. <laughs> but but yeah, so I, I think that people... And again, I was at a time where I think it's like the start of the internet really picking up and people were actually able to talk and discuss. And then this was kind of the, the, the birthing of nerds are cool because I feel like when you think of stereotypical nerds, it's like they like Firefly, they like Doctor Who, Lord of the Rings. Like those are the three things they're going to nerd out about. Star Wars, Star Trek. So, circling back, I, you definitely got me a few times with, with Buffy. Oh, the fucking Hell's Mouth thing. Why I'm mad about that. It's the Hell's Mouth because that's like Sunnydale is just this fucking area of the world where all the ley lines fucking cross over. And that is like where all the evil happens. And it happens repeatedly over and over and over again because they're on top mm-hmm. of Hell's Mouth. Hell's mm-hmm. Mouth. And that's mm-hmm. why it's Hell's Mouth. Mm-hmm. I'm hearing you. But <laughs> it's spelled Hellsmith. Oh, God. Spencer. Oh, okay. So besides Hellsmith, God, now you have mm-hmm. me doing it. Thank you. Mm-hmm. I hate you. That's it. Besides Hellsmouth here, uh, we agree for the most part about Buffy. We agree for the most part about Joss Whedon. We agree about Reaper. It was a pretty calm episode, and I'm okay with that. I'm glad that we, for our very first episode, suggested shows that for the most part we liked. Oh, yeah. And we didn't suffer through. I would also say that I think maybe something fun to do as a season finale is maybe doing a recap of some of the shows that really stood out to us, anything that we decided to watch more of. So if you decide to watch more Buffy in the meanwhile, we can do like a season finale of this is where I'm at. This is what I think of the show of XYZ. But maybe that's the future. Maybe it's not. Only yeah, time we'll will tell. we'll talk about it. Oh, yeah. I don't have a closer. I don't have one either. Man, I feel like we need a good something. Something to end this on. Um, thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed our version of telling the pilot. If you're interested, go watch the pilot for yourself. Let us know your thoughts. Tell us how wrong we are, even though we know we're right. There it is. There's our fucking ending. Let's wrap it. The end.